Hello, welcome to Tis Talk. Welcome to Tis Talk. This is a podcast coming from Tisbury, Wiltshire and surrounding villages. I'm Julianne Murphy. And I'm Mary Myers. It's the week beginning the 19th of June. So, Julianne, there's been this fire in Tisbury. It's quite big news and you live really close. What did you see? Well, we heard, first of all, the fire brigade and then realised they weren't whizzing by. They were kind of stopping. And so we looked outside and there was this huge plume of very black smoke. Mm. And what was alarming about it, from where we are, it looked like the station itself was on fire, which was kind of scary because that's quite close. Mm. And um, and then we realised, no, it wasn't. It was further away. Mm. Uh, but more fire engines kept arriving, so we knew it was quite serious. Mm. And there was an amazing uh, drone picture, which, in fact, I put up on Tis Talk Facebook, uh, of it all on fire. But it wasn't the station in the end. It was the Palmetters old site. It's actually the fiberglass um, company. And in the end, it was all pretty much okay. Yeah, but I scary think... scary at the time. Scary at the time and uh, toxic smoke. I mean, very quickly, we shut all the windows, the doors, because we didn't want that in the house. Mm. When, I, when we could see it die down which was quick. I mean, they really tackled it quickly. Mm. Um, I went out to water the garden and the pressure on the water had gone, well, it disappeared. So we knew they'd used a lot of water to put it out. Um, but it, the air was still quite smelly, toxic. Mm, you just yes. thought, I don't know what I'm breathing in here. So uh, we went back inside and shut the windows. Yeah. Well, we'll try and find out from the fire people maybe whether there was any danger. But I guess now it's all dispersed. So, Yeah, I suppose so. It'd be interesting to know. I mean, what was worrying about that fire was that we know everything's been, it's been so hot. Everything is so dry. And that site is full of discarded stuff yeah, and rubbish. loads of wood pallets, loads of rubbish. And... I just thought, God, if that all went up, it wouldn't be good. But, you know, it didn't. They got it. That was yeah. great. But I'd love to know what started it, yeah. what was on actually on fire. I'm afraid we don't know. But, yeah, fantastic work by the by the fire services, from even from Andover, I think. Yeah, they came from all over the place. Yeah. It was great how they managed that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so we've got a great show for you today. I speak to three generations of women crafters on the high street, Kate Good, her daughter Hannah and her granddaughter Ella. Tisbury is a really wholesome place to be and it's, you know, the family side of things is really important. That's the most important thing, regardless of whether the businesses succeed or fail. And dairy farmer Peter Shellcross of Warmead Farm reflects on Tisbury's great big green week. I think it opened my eyes to how much more we have to do, all of us. Mary talks to Jessica Craddock at the Green Week car boot sale where Jessica was demonstrating a special eco stove. It is more than a barbecue because you actually can boil, you can fry, you can grill. They make yes. everything from, well, we do a lot of chops and a lot of our potatoes and our vegetables and then we put our pita bread underneath. 
And finally, we have our Watsons with our new presenter, Lal Pointer. Mary was down Tisbury High Street this week talking to the Good family, who are the three generations of women who are selling what they craft. Kate Good is a long-established potter, and behind her shop you will find the Lady Tree Jewellery Studio, where Hannah and Ella make ethical handcrafted jewellery. So um, I'm here in Lady Tree Designs, off just off the high street and just behind Kate Good's shop, and I have learnt that there are three generations of makers on the high street and it's Kate Good, Potter, and mother and daughter, Hannah and Ella, Lady Tree Designs, jewellers. So can I just start with you, Kate? I mean, how long have you been doing pottery on the high street? We moved here in 96. We bought the place in April 96 and moved in in August. And we opened my pottery shop in September 96. Have you, do you think you're the oldest business on the high street? I don't think so. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. That's true. The garage has been here for a while as well. The, gar the garage has been here for a while. but Since I've been in Tisbury mm. before. And how, how long has Lady Tree Design been going, Ella? So pretty much about seven years, give or take, um, because I started the business in Bristol and um, it was kind of a transition from going for full-time work in my previous IT career to doing um, part-time jewellery making, renting a, a, a studio space. And then I moved here to Tisbury about five years ago. Um, and that's around when mum joined the business as well. And so, yeah, we've been working together here ever since. And the shop's been through many phases and <laughs> transitions as well. So we did the renovation on the outbuilding, which is Grand's outbuilding. We've um, had our studio on the upper floor um, for the whole time, but downstairs was quite derelict. So we did a big kind of eight month renovation and that's what you see today. And so now we have a proper gallery space and a teaching space. Um, so we can do pottery workshops downstairs as well now, as, as well as the jewelry workshops upstairs. So it opens up lots of new possibilities. Okay. And Hannah, are you qualified a craftsperson on pottery or on jewelry? <laughs> I've done so many things in my life. I've always been a crafter. I worked for Zandra Rhodes as a seamstress and I was a therapist for 30 years and uh, well, I can cut and make it, all sorts of things. So that was kind of in my earlier. But now I do lapidary, which is cutting and polishing stones. Um, and, and fossils. And the fossils, yeah. Um, many, most of which I collect myself or with a friend from British sources. But also I've been around pottery and clay work since obviously I was a child because mum has been doing that all of my life and uh, and so it's just really nice to sort of be a part of that and be able to keep that craft going as well so yeah we teach lapidary pottery and silversmithing so oh. I, I do smithing myself how, how do you feel Kate about the fact that your descendants have taken up craft in this way it's great it's wonderful do you feel as though you've passed on craft skill to them very skillful in their own line anyway and Hannah's a... <laughs> good, good, good with your hands? She's, she's good at everything. She's bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Did any of you train formally? Did you, Kate? I did, yes. I went to art school. Yeah. So you've uh, been a potter all your life? Yeah. And uh, what about you, Ella? So I actually went to uni to study IT. 
I started doing silversmithing in uh, once a week at an evening class. I fell in love with it and so I started to get my own tools and I set up a little bench in my living room and started doing market stalls, selling to friends and family, selling to work colleagues. And after about two years of doing evening classes, uh, I then rented a bench space in an industrial unit with another silversmith. So I then went part-time um, at my agency so that I could dedicate a bit more to um, building the business up. But it became very apparent that I couldn't do that long term whilst needing to pay rent in Bristol and also just trying to yeah build something mm. and so um I moved in with Gran and um mm. rest is history and it's just been amazing being able to support her and, and see her get a new lease of life with with her business as well just by having a support network around um, so you do a bit of marketing because as I understand it for for your grandma Kate good a little bit yeah I help out yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, the $6 million question is, can you make a living by being a craftsperson on Tisbury High Street? We always need more footfall. Tisbury's not a thriving metropolis. It does have an amazing reputation and lots of people are drawn here. And I think it's just a case of getting your name out there and, you know, building a reputation for being unique and pedantic and, <laughs> and all those things that, you know, make a business good. Things um, like the Wiley Valley Arts Trail really yeah. help and bring yeah people from kind of Warminster and Bath and um, mm. you know so many different areas to mm. to Tisbury and so many people mm. that came in during those ten days hadn't ever been to Tisbury so mm. I think it's one of those things the the more we can keep these small businesses alive on the high street mm. you know give it time and footfall mm. will increase mm. but yeah. yes. um, we've had you know we've had a really tough few years with um, starting with COVID and I think people are recognizing that you know if they're going to spend their money somewhere they they should spend their money on something that really means something that has soul you know and people do come back to us which is really nice and mum has clients who've been you know supporters of her for many 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 years mm. and collect her pottery so mm. you know those those are the sort of people as well as the people that just pop in for a quick look I mean, something special that I noticed when I first came in here was the work you do with Tisbury Coral. Mm. That's very, very local, isn't it? It is. It's, uh, it's completely unique to this area. It's 145 million years old um, and it's a silicified star coral, which is a unique preservation in this country of star coral. So 145 million years ago, Tisbury was under the sea. There was a coral reef just outside. Um, and basically it's been preserved into, it's almost like a flint, so it's super hard, it polishes really beautifully, and it's unique. Every piece I cut is just really, really special. It just gives us something really unique, which is lovely, along with all the sort of ammonites and crinoids and other bits and pieces that I find and minerals from, from Cornwall. One thing we also do is with, if, um, if a customer has found something on holiday oh, yeah. or, um, or maybe um, has been passed down through their family, um, like a rock or a fossil, then we can actually either just polish it up um, or we can actually cut and polish it into a, a shape of their choice and make it into a piece of jewellery. So, um, yeah. yeah, just trying to do every, every process in-house, really, and, and using customers' own materials that mean something to them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sharing those skills with other people as well. The education side of things for us is really, really important. One last thing about the Tisbury Coral. Mm -hmm. You mentioned last time that 
you have to have a license for it or something? No, no, no. I no? mean, when you when it's you... or it's a bit of a secret sort well, of thing. Well, it's a bit of a secret. Yeah. A lot of people in Tisby don't even know about it, um, and it's a little bit of a secret where it is. The the landowner doesn't want loads of people tramping over his land, which is fair absolutely enough. fair <laughs> enough. Uh, um, so. Yeah, we do have permission to collect it and work with it, which we are very, very thankful for. Just, we love Tisbury. Tisbury is a really wholesome place to be, and it's, you know, the family side of things is really important. That's the most important thing, regardless of whether the businesses succeed or fail. You know, for me, being here for mum, being here for my daughter is the most important thing. That's number one. Yeah, fantastic to see three generations of women on the high street. Yeah. How long may it continue? <laughs> Tis Talk, a podcast from Tisbury on tistalk.buzzsprout.com. Next, Mary's talking to Peter Shellcross down at Warmead Farm. So, Peter, we're here on your farm and we're at the end of the great big green week here in Tisbury. Uh, you, you've given a talk at the beginning of the week about farming, changes on your farm. But what's your takeaway about the Green Week in, in total? I think the Green Week was a, a really good idea and it, was, it happened in a lot of other places as well. Um, I saw a huge brochure from Froome where they, they did uh, you know, a huge amount as well. I think it opened my eyes to how much more we have to do, all of us, uh, particularly giving the talk in the Victoria Hall and um, you know I was, I was really impressed by all the questions and, and it got me thinking a lot more about how far we need to go. Not everyone, not many people have engaged with Big Green Week, it's, uh, it's almost talking to the converted. So I think, I think it's a big problem that we've all got to, to face. Um, we've all got to make big, big changes. So as a farmer, these big changes, what should they be in your, in your view? Yeah, it's a really good question. There, there's a term in, uh, of, of, of a new management way of farming, which is regenerative farming. And I touched, touched on it on the talk and I had some really good questions about it because a lot of the audience were interested. But basically it's, um, it's farming in a much more environmentally friendly way and much better for the soil. But if you go, if you take it to its final limits it would mean uh, producing a lot less milk on the farm you know in the talk there were some interesting questions about glyphosate and you know as farmers we use glyphosate it's, it's our most favorite drug almost it's very very useful is that the same as roundup yeah it's the active ingredient in roundup and you can you know people use it for their gardens and everywhere and it you know in the past it, it's been um, said or been proved it's very safe and i you know, maybe the jury's out, but as farmers, we, we still think it's safe. But it's all part of the system. It's a chemical system producing lots and lots of cheap food, particularly, well, all of it, really. And um, as a nation, we, we eat far too much junk food. I think 50% of the food we eat, as a nation anyway, not perhaps not in Tisbury, is pro uh, over-processed food or ultra-processed food. Other places in Europe are far lower. I think it's 20% in France. Um, you know, in processed food, you, they just bung in everything. You don't know what's in it. Well, you, you can see what's in it, but people don't look, and it is, it is terrifying. So, Peter, can you expand a bit on that point about ultra-processed food, then? 
Yeah, it's something I learned a bit more about when I was preparing the talk because I found a, a, some graphics about how much in this country we consume compared to other places, you know, just in Europe. You know, 50% of the food has ultra-processed food. And the problem with that is it's got many more ingredients. The, the food has lost its identity. So the, say it's meat or dairy products, could be from anywhere and nobody... Nobody asks about where that comes from at all, whereas opposed they might ask where a, a lamb chop comes from if they're buying one, and it will say on the packet specifically where it comes from, and maybe even the the treat you know the treatment the animal had. You know, and there's lots of preservatives. Nutrition is really bad. It's a big cause of obesity because some of them you know don't make you f uh, full. They're just really really tasty, um, and it's a big problem. You know, if we if we went back to ingredients. Uh, whether they're organic or, or anything, it would, would be much better off. Thank you. Next, I talked to Jessica, who was up at the Jumble Trail, up near the Nada Centre, demonstrating a special type of stove called the Towie Stove, and she was making some tea and coffee and boiling three kettles at once. It, is it cast iron? It is. It's made by Essie. Um, and it's made out of British steel. And there's another model which is more curvaceous, which is called the Greenway, again made by British steel in Shropshire. Um, it is small enough to put in the back of the car so it can go camping with you. Uh, it must be about a metre long and oh, half a metre maybe only half a metre and it's, it's two objects it's a stove for cooking outside and it makes biochar which mixed with your soil or your compost and soil enhances the production of your plants and it bonds with it holds the nutrition nutrition and also water in the soil I see so you're feeding dead wood into it one end you've got three kettles on the go here we're waiting for them to whistle you're making this biochar which it which looks like charcoal but it's not actually charcoal we're not creating any carbon and we are only using dead wood which would be breaking down and releasing carbon so we're actually trapping the carbon in there and then it will be trapped in the soil they believe that this was done by the ancient indians in the amazonian because they have found areas where they have deep biochar rich soil right. and that they were creating this and they were cultivating in that area wow it's ready to cook in, tw in 10 minutes rather than a barbecue you're using charcoal which is which is releasing tar and carbon yeah. and you have to wait about 40 minutes of cooking time burning time before you can even start cooking right can you just go back over your personal links with this so yes my brother-in-law um, designed this because his parents uh, farm in Africa the water the stream that was their water supply was being polluted by a new laundrette upstream and somebody said you need to use biochar to filter the water to filter the pollutants out yeah. so he designed the stove for both his parents and their employees to use for cooking and then 20 years later in lockdown he reignited the idea went to Essie and they are making these right, on um, a mass-produced basis on a mass-produced basis plus he's designed another one which is 
far more designer-ish, it's beautiful, which he sells himself called um, Greenway. And that's the one you said was a bit more curvaceous. Yes, I want that one. But it, also <laughs> yeah. it is more than a barbecue because you actually can boil, you can fry, you can grill. They make yes. everything from, well, we do a lot of chops and a lot of our potatoes and our vegetables, and then we put our pita bread underneath. The, the company is called Carbon Farmers, and on their website, there's a lot of explanation about biochar, how to use it, how to create it, right. um, and how the stoves work. You. And you've got three plates, so you can be cooking a whole meal on it, rather than with a barbecue, you're just cooking the meat, and, and usually it's the women who are stuck in the kitchen doing everything else. <laughs> so I like it because I can be out in the garden cooking the whole meal. A whole meal as and a barbecue. And then I get biochar to put in my com I put it straight in my compost bin because we've got very poor soil. Mm. And what and I've found is that I mix it with compost and a little bit of topsoil. The, the plants are growing really well. Great. The only outlay then is for the to buy the stove. So how much does that cost? That might just... uh, They are 285. So it's the sort of thing that maybe an allotment organization would buy together. Uh, but quite a lot of people will spend that and a lot more on a barbecue. Great, and how long does it take to boil a kettle? Because we've got three here, but if we had one... About but... 15 minutes from lighting the match to the whistling of the kettle. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. OK, we can hear the um, music from the, from the swimming pool in the background. Uh, there's quite a lot of smoke going around. And steam now from this kettle. Sorry. So we're going to enjoy a copper. Yeah. Thanks very much, Jessica. Not at all, not at all. Come back when we're cooking some sausages. Okay. That was Jessica Craddock. And if you'd like to find out more about these special stoves, which are very eco, go to www.carbonfarmers.world or email info at carbonfarmers.world. Follow us on Instagram at tiztalkradio. Now we have What's Ons with Lau. This week kicks off with the NADA Community Land Trust AGM taking place on Monday the 19th at 7pm in the Tisbury Parish Reading Rooms. On Tuesday the 20th at 6.30pm, the Tisbury Footpath Club evening walk starts from the square in Tisbury. Contact Paul Nash if you want to book a place on p.nash at btinternet.com. The Tisbus outing is going to be on Wednesday the 21st and it will visit the Hauser and Worth Art Gallery in Bruton. It's leaving at 9.30am. Now for more information, go to www.tisbus.co.uk. At 10am to 12 noon on Wednesday the 21st, the Tisbury Memory Group that we featured here on Tis Talk last week will meet in the Hinton Hall. Meet at the Nada Centre car park at 9.30am for an excursion to see butterflies at Rye Water Nursery on Friday the 23rd with the Tisbury Natural History Society. Numbers are limited. Go to their website www.tisburynaturalhistory.com for more information. 
On Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th of June, there is a concert for Ukraine in St John's Church, Tisbury, both starting at 7.30pm on both nights. This is in support of Christian Aid's Ukraine Humanitarian Appeal. On Friday, the concert will be chamber music, featuring Russian-Ukrainian pianist Alexander Kapayev and violist Bill Benham, playing works by Beethoven, Debussy, Poulenc and Arnold. On Saturday, it is an orchestral concert conducted by Jeremy Barlow, with flutists Quinton Edwards and Cherry Wallace, playing works by Bach and Handel. On Saturday the 24th at the New Vic Tisbury, there will be a live showing of Fleabag from the National Theatre. Doors will open at 7pm for a 7.30 start. Also on Saturday the 24th, the Chilmark Church Fate takes place at the Old Rectory in Chilmark from 2.30 to 4.30 with teas, cakes, raffles, skittles, pims, ice creams, games and much more. And that's all for this week. If you would like us to mention your event in our What's On listings, do get in touch here at TizTalk on tiztalkradio at gmail.com or message us on Facebook. That's all from us this week. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on tiztalkradio at gmail.com. You can listen every week to a new episode of Tis Talk, and you can find any episode you've missed at tistalk.buzzsprout.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Tis Talk, that's all one word. And also look out for us on the Nextdoor app. And now also on Instagram on Tis Talk Radio. So do listen in next week for more stories from Tisbury. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.